time now for... Johnny Dollar. Fred Norwood, Northeastern Indemnity Association. Oh, hello, Fred. I haven't heard from you since that case down in Managua, Nicaragua. Got another nice long trip lined up for me? I'm afraid not this time. But if you can leave right away, I wish you'd run down to Baltimore for us. Baltimore? Hmm, that depends. Depends on what? How free I can be with my expense account in the seafood department. Chicatique oysters, soft-shell crabs, terrapin soup. Johnny, if you can get us off the hook on this one, I'll okay your expense account blind. Big one, huh? Over 100000 Murder? Arson? $111,421 missing from a safe. Wow, and you're liable for it if it isn't recovered, huh? For the full amount. But who'd keep that much cash in a safe? Outside of a bank, that is. The Trillingham Tobacco Company. But why? Better get the details from August Trillingham. If you'll take this on. On a freewheeling expense account? Freddie, I'm your boy. Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Northeastern Indemnity Association, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the wayward money matter. Expense account item 12630, plane fare and incidentals, Hartford to New York to Baltimore, and a cab to the Sheraton Belvedere. After all, I could afford the best. Item 2, a 10-cent phone call to Mr. August Trillingham. He'd be glad to see me. Hmm. Somewhere that name rang a bell. Item three, a buck twenty for a cab to the Trillingham Tobacco Company on Conway near Charles Street. It was a huge old brick building with what I guess you'd call a vaulted roof. Offices at one end of it, and the rest looked like a kind of warehouse. I'm glad you could get here so quickly, Mr. Dollar. The loss only occurred last night, you know. Well, I left Hartford the minute the insurance company called me. So, somebody blew your safe and walked off Opened with a lot of... Opened the safe, Mr. Dollar, and took over $104,000. You always keep that much cash on hand? Yes, yes, because of the nature of our business. What do you mean? Well, the tobacco was grown by the farmers hereabouts. Barn cured for a month or two or three and then brought here. Uh-huh. Regraded according to quality and color and tied into hands. Hands? Uh, bunches of 20 or 30 leaves, depending on size. Oh, I see. And then we pack it in hogsheads and ship it to the auction warehouses. We're uh, kind of a middleman between the small farmer and the auction. I said small farmer, Mr. Dollar. Well? Uh, people for whom tobacco is only an incidental crop... There are a lot of them. Since we buy from them outright, they want cash. Not checks or payment due the first of the month. Oh, no, cash. Oh, I see. And uh, you're always gambling on what you'll be able to get at the auctions. That's right. Ah. How, uh, how's business, Mr. Tullingham? Mm, not as good as I'd like, of course, but I'm sure it'll pick up later in the year. Why do you ask? Oh, just wondered. In a matter like this, I want to know all I can. Yes, but you said that as though you meant to imply that, uh, that oh, perhaps... Oh, I, I meant to imply nothing. Look, you said that safe wasn't cracked. I said it was opened. And I'm sure I know by whom. You, you what? Well, then why send for me? Well, after all, the liability is now your company. Well, who did it? For years, we've had a bookkeeper. A little pipsqueak of a man named Elmer Cockerley. Well, if he, he must have been here 15 or 20 years, even before I bought this business. You haven't always owned it? Oh, no, no, no. I 
I made my money during the late 20s, Florida real estate. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Seems to me I've heard something about your success down there. I retired, traveled around till the mid-40s, and then decided to get back into the swing of things, and I bought this business. Yes, okay. Now, about this Elmer Cockerley. Oh, a mild, timid, ineffectual sort of little man. I suppose after 20 or 30 years of this dull, routine job, after seeing and handling so much money all the time... Yeah, I see what you mean. Well, anyhow, at tax time, uh, I decided to have the accounting firm of Hanley, James, Chadwick, Kermer, and Wormsbecker go over our books just as a matter of course. And? It was then that Elmer Cockerley suddenly discovered that some of the records were missing. I see. Things balanced out at the end of the year, mind you... But those three or four months were uh, missing. And it was during that period that Elmer had painted his home, bought a new car. Didn't you investigate immediately? Of course. Seems to me it was then that you should have sent for me. Well, since our business is strictly cash, both in and outgoing, there was nothing we could pin on him. What's more, he was as concerned as I was, apparently. And after all, since things finally balanced out, but I wonder. Yeah, I should think you would. And now, since he's the only other person who could open the safe... What does he say about this robbery? He, uh, didn't come in this morning. I called his wife. She hasn't seen him since he left for work yesterday morning. You know where he lives? Yes. Do you have a description of his car, license, and so on? Yes, yes, I have. Okay, Mr. Trillingham, I'll notify the police from here. Then I'm going out to his house to see what I can learn there. May I use your phone? Of course. Yeah? It wouldn't be the first time a timid soul had finally felt his oats had run off with company money. And usually that type was hard to find. The methodical mind always planned things well, including a getaway. Item four, 80 cents, taxi to a car rental agency. Item five, 50 bucks deposit, and I drove to Elmer Cockerley's home, a few blocks off Wilkins Avenue, west of town. I wondered why the old fellow had done it. Sometimes the why can be the best clue as to where to hunt for a man. And you know something? A good part of the why became very clear when the door of Elmer's house was opened. Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. And now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the wayward money matter. <laughs> Yes, what do you want? Mrs. Cockerley? I'm Mrs. Cockerley. Who are you? Johnny Dollar, insurance investigator. Insurance investigator? I haven't even filed a claim on Elmer yet. Oh, you think your husband is dead, Mrs. Cockerley? Well, of course he is. You think for a minute he'd walk out on me? That's why you think he's dead? Ain't that enough? <clears throat> You've talked with Mr. Trillingham this morning. Of course I have. He wanted to know where Elmer was. I wanted to know where Elmer was. Neither of us knowed, so that was that. So when they find his body, I'll collect his insurance, and that'll be that. And I won't have that helpless little worm around underfoot no more. No more having a baby and nurse him and tie his tie and feed him. Mrs. Cockerley. No, sir. The only reason that little shrimp would dare not to come home is if somebody done him in. And when you find him, you can come around and pay me his insurance, and that's that. Now, if that's all you Just come a minute. To talk... Just a minute. Did Mr. Trillingham tell you that over $100,000 was taken from the safe at the office? Uh, no. 
Delmer didn't do it. I know he didn't. Do you? Working his fingers to the bone year after year. Handling all that money and him and me just scraping along. Why, if it wasn't for beneficial finance helping us along now and then, I don't know what we'd have done. Yeah, well, I look. told him more than once if he wasn't such a spineless little mouse, he'd help himself to some of that money. They'd never miss it, being a cash business like it is, and Lord knows he deserves some of it. Well, what'd he say to that? Scared him. Made him angry. So I'd keep oh, rubbing it great in. great marriage you two had. <laughs> Sometimes he'd scream and yell like a baby. He'd dare to scream at you? I'd let him. I got so sick of him, it did me good to see him blow his top. Believe me, I told him more than once, if I was in his place, I wouldn't hesitate. Well, go ahead, he says, go ahead. And he'd give me, go ahead, he says. He gave you what, Mrs. Cockerley? The combination to the safe? Yes. Yes, he did. So what of it? So maybe I went down there and robbed it last night. Well, how did you know it was last night? I didn't tell you that. All right. All right, maybe I did. I'd like to see you put it on me. Maybe I will. You think I can't use that kind of money? You think I don't deserve it after struggling all these years, caring for him for nothing because he didn't have the gumption to get what he should have? You know something, Mrs. Cockerley? I doubt if you ever gave him a chance to show any gumption. Huh? Do you know Elmer? Did you ever see him? No. Then look. Look at his picture here on the hall table. All right. A baby, that's all he is. All right. You've made with a lot of big, noisy talk. Now, just... Probably most of it's a lie. I don't believe you'd live ten minutes with a man if you really felt that way about him. Look, mister... But there must be some reason for it. Some reason for trying to make me suspect you. I told you. Maybe I did do it. Did you? I'd like to see you prove it. Well, I don't think you did. I'd like to see you prove that. I think all you're trying to do is cover up for him, protect him. And I'll say this, you're taking a mighty offbeat way to do it. Oh, now, listen. Where is he? You really think Elmer... Little Elmer could have... No. No, he really didn't have the gumption. All right, who else? He couldn't have, Mr. Dollar. Outside of his books and figures at that office, he... He could hardly take care of himself. That's why he needed me. To tell him what to do and feed him and take care of him. Well, this is quite a change of pace, Mrs. Cockerley. So maybe I did make him toe the line. So what about it? He liked it. Some people are that way, just like me. I gotta have somebody I can lord it over him. Anything wrong with that? Well, I don't believe a thing you said. Oh, you don't. Now, where is he? Where is Elmer? I don't know. And if he didn't rob that safe, who did? He couldn't. How should I know? Why don't you ask that August Trillingham, his fancy boss that's kept him and me starving all these years? Did you think of him? Everybody's a suspect at a time like Dear this. Dear August. Including his you. His friend, the boss. Used to go catfishing together up the creek. Great privilege for poor little Elmer to go fishing with the boss who made all the money. That's where I thought he was last night when he didn't come home to supper. When he wasn't home all night, poor dear. All right, Mrs. Cockerley, just quit acting. Act. Somebody stole now, that money, and listen. apparently only three people knew the combination of that safe. Trillingham, your husband, and you. I tell you, go ask that Trillingham. But only one of the three has run out, disappeared. No. No, I'll never believe that Elmer did it. He could. Sure he could. Anybody could. Now, where is he? I don't know. I think you do. No. And you're trying to protect him. Or are you waiting to hear from him so you can join him, him and the money? That isn't true. Then why isn't he here if half of what you told me is true? Because he... Because I... Oh, go answer the phone. Hello. Yes, I'm her. Who? Oh. Oh. Oh, just a minute. 
Sergeant Macklin, he says. Oh, the man I talked to at police headquarters. Here. Thanks. Johnny Dollar. This is Macklin, Mr. Dollar. Yeah, Mac. Looks like it's all sewed up. Yeah, who? Elmer Cockerley. Driver's license, identification. You found the money? Well, what's left of it. They got the money, did they? You know what Cockerley looks like? I've seen his picture. Well, then maybe you better come out here. Where? Hans's Bridge. Hans's Bridge? Yeah. We used to go uh, catfishing all the time. It's about nine miles up the creek north of town. Okay, I'll see you there. Yeah, I want you to see if you can identify Cockerley's body. Oh. I see. Act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. And now, Act Three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Wayward Money Matter. Without telling Mrs. Cockerley what I'd learned over the phone, I took off in my rental car for the creek north of town for Hans's Bridge. Yeah, this was a crazy case if ever there was one. Elmer Cockerley, bookkeeper for the tobacco company, was the only real suspect in the $104,000 robbery. And where there's only one suspect, I always begin to wonder. But who else was there? His wife? Maybe. She'd done everything she could to confuse me. The owner of the company, Trillingham? Yeah, I thought of him too. Until I got the word from the police that they'd found Elmer Cockerley, or what was left of it. They'd found the money too, or what was left of it. What's left of it is right, Dollar. I'm afraid most of that 100000 went floating down the creek when Cockerley and his car rolled over into it. Well, we'll see how much of the dough is still inside when we get the car up on the bank. How do you figure it happened, Sergeant? Well, the old boy was making his getaways, oh. Going too fast when he hit the turn onto the bridge and plop-o into the creek. Hmm. Wouldn't there be skid marks, Mac? Well, he wouldn't have to be going very fast. Hmm. Now, look. Car is up on the bank now. Come on. Yeah. How do you know it's Elmer Cockley inside of it? License number. And one of the boys dove in, brought up his wallet. Well, here she is, Sergeant. High and... Yeah, high and wet. Okay, Les. We'll have a look. Only a few small bills in there. The rest of the dough must be out in Chesapeake Bay by now. All right, boys. Take a look, Dollar. Is that Cockley in there? Yeah? Yeah, that's Elmer. Do you think he drowned? Uh, yeah, or banged around so hard when the car plunged in that... Look. See the bruises on his face and chest? Mm, yeah. Not pretty. And Mac. Well, that's that. Just one more who tried and didn't get away with it. I wonder when they'll learn that it just... Did... Huh? What's that? A little scrap of paper out of his pocket. Huh? Torn. Only part of it, see? Night. Hans. Cat. Cat. And Mac, look here. Yeah, what? This bruise, this mark on the back of his head. Yeah, you really got banged around. Show me one thing in this car that could leave a mark like this. Well, most anything. Door handle, top of the steering pole. No, sir. All the other bruises are on his face, his chest. And there's only one thing I know that leaves a mark like this. Better get the coroner out here before you touch anything. See you later. But look, where are you going? I'll see you later. Now, what under the... Yes, I heard it from the police department, Mr. Dollar, and I... Well, in spite of what I told you earlier, it's hard to believe. Yeah, it is. He'd been such a loyal soul all those years. But I suppose all that cash... 
And it was a bit more than we usually kept the safe. I suppose it was just too much of a temptation for him. Or for any other man. Huh? Even you, for instance. What? Are you joking? So, it's not funny. So, business has been pretty bad lately. I didn't say that, Mr. Dollar. I merely said that... I know what you said, Trillingham. And I remember now what I'd heard about your big success in Florida real estate back in the 20s. Well, I don't see what... You were one of those guys who sold a lot of swamp and jungle, some of it underwater to suckers from up north. I was young, an opportunist in those You were a crook. You're a crook now. And a killer. Mr. Dollar. Now, a natural to hang it on. Poor, timid little Elmer Cockerley. Sure, why not? He'd be the natural suspect in anybody's book. Do you realize what you're Let's accusing me of? Let's go fishing. Catfishing. Tonight, at Hans's Bridge. Only you shouldn't have put it into a note to him. What note? The one I found on his body. So you met him there. You slugged him. Put him behind the wheel of his car, then ran it down the embankment into the creek. You thought the rolling over would account for any bruises he'd get. Listen, But you... not that mark on the back of his head, the one made by the butt of a thirty-eight Special. I've seen too many of them, Trillingham. Oh, I see. You still have it. That's right. And I'll use it. You didn't get away with murdering Elmer. You'd never get away killing me. I could go a long ways on $100,000. And before I let you stop me... Uh, huh? Mr. Dollar, the police told me poor Elmer has... Close that <gasps> door. You... You did it. Quiet. I don't know how, but you killed him. Quiet and close that. Oh, I'll do it myself. Oh, Buster. Yeah, he did it, Mrs. Conkley. And believe me, he'll pay for it. Well, so ends another dirty chapter in the history of crime. I hope the insurance on Elmer makes up in some small way for Mrs. Cockerley's loss of her... Well, I was going to say husband, but... I guess Elmer was kind of a baby to her. To manage, to browbeat, and to love. Expense account total, including transportation back to Hartford, $104.70. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Our star will return in just a moment. Now, here is our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, a fishing trip to Lake Mojave Resort. Fishing, that is, for a thief. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Truly Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote today's story. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Edgar Barrier, Alan Reed, Vic Perrin, and Frank Nelson. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Pat McCracken, Johnny, Universal Adjustment Bureau. Oh, hi, Pat. 
Johnny, you've handled a lot of difficult cases for the companies we represent. You've done a magnificent job, saved some of them a lot of money. Huh? Sometimes nipped things in the bud even before they've happened. Right. And there have been times when you've given up personal plans to take them on at a moment's notice and without question. Listen, that bush you're beating around is getting pretty big. All right, then I'll get to the point. Johnny, why don't you take yourself a holiday at company expense? What? Lake Mojave Resort, maybe, where I understand you love to fish. At company expense, huh? That's right. Okay, Pat, I'll grab the first plane. Good boy. But, brother, just wait till you see the expense account I pile up for you. Why, Johnny... Because if I ever smelled a rat, believe me, it's now. Bob Bailey, in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, act one of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Universal Adjustment Bureau Home Office, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the wayward trout matter. Expense account item one, 174.50, plane fare, Hartford to Los Angeles and Los Angeles to Las Vegas. Item two, 50 bucks, deposit on a rental car. I headed south on Route 95. The Mojave Desert. Thousands of square miles of sand, sun-bleached gravel and rock, of cactus, sage, and Joshua trees. High flat mesas, towering crags. Countless trails leading off from the highway. Long abandoned roads leading up into the harsh bleak mountains. With their promise of infinite wealth to the prospectors who scratched away in their hungry search for silver and gold. And who knows, perhaps some of these were trails of the pioneers who beat a tortuous path westward to the great Pacific. Who, with their oxen and heavy wagons, were lucky if they made six miles a day. Yet here I was, cruising along at an easy 60 miles an hour. And above me, a jet plane, lazily tearing off 600 miles an hour. Yeah, it made me think. About the men who lived and struggled here. The men who died of hunger and thirst following the same path I was taking. Never knowing that only a few miles away, beyond the mountains, was the mighty Colorado. Water, food, and life for those lucky enough to find it. But let's get to more practical things... Like Davis Dam and huge Lake Mojave. On the east bank at the lower end, Lake Mojave Resort, with its clean, modern cabins, boathouse, dock, and harbor. Everything for a fisherman. It was after 9 p.m. when I pulled in. My old friend Buster Faber was waiting for me. By golly, Johnny, I'm glad to see you. Yeah, same here, Buster. How are you? Before you start on why I'm here, how's the fishing? Uh, you remember Ham Pratt, the general manager? Sure do. How is he? Went out three days in a row, got three limits, five, six, seven pounders. Oh, and I have to come here on business. Yeah, but as soon as you clear it up, you and I are going to do some fishing. Believe me, we'd better. Now, what's the problem? Oh, well, here, let me, let me take your bags. <clears throat> You're in number eight. Okay. I've put you right next to Mr. Hatch. Hatch? Old-time confidence man, Johnny, and just plain big-time thief. Oh, Gordon Hatch? That's the one. Used to operate up in San Francisco, over in Reno? Tried Las Vegas, too, but they ran him out. Sure, sure. He served a couple of short stretches for petty theft, things like that. But they could never nail him for anything big. That's right. Sit down. Yeah. Well, what's he doing here? Oh, ordinarily, we'd give a man like that some excuse about being full up, something like that. I should think so. But Ham and I decided if we let him stay and with somebody like you here, well, maybe we could do a kind of public service. Keep talking, Buster. 
Well, Tuesday morning, I got a call from some wealthy folks in Los Angeles. They wanted accommodations for themselves and their wives beginning tonight. How they're doing now. So? Well, Tuesday afternoon, this Gordon Hatch came barreling in. My wife, Marilyn, not knowing who he was, put him in number seven. What are you getting at, Buster? Well, those folks from L.A. have been here before, Johnny, and the women always come with enough furs and jewelry... To a fishing resort? Well, you see, every night they drive up to Vegas to gamble and take in the fancy night spot. Ah, but what makes you think Hatch would come here just because of them? One of them's a lawyer that got him sent up for embezzlement once, and Hatch always swore that someday he'd get even. Oh, well, now, Buster... I don't think he'd try any rough stuff, anything like that. He isn't the type, but... Well, that's why I called Hartford. Well, what's the insurance angle? There isn't any. Unless a lot of heavily insured jewelry suddenly disappears from around here. And your man in Hartford was willing to play along with that. Yeah, I see. Well, so do I. Hmm? I see we have another guest buster. How do you do? My name is Gordon Hatch. Mr. Hatch, this is Johnny Dollar. He's come for a few days fishing, same as you. Excellent. We must go out together, Mr. Dollar. I found a couple of wonderful spots. Yeah, I understand you had pretty good luck, sir. Oh, didn't Ham Pratt tell you about the big one I got over near Sculpture Rock? Nearly ten pounds. I'm keeping him in a live box so I can take him back to Los Angeles and have him stuffed. Live box? Yes. It's a big sort of box made of heavy screen, Johnny. You leave it in the water, it'll keep the fish alive for days. That's right. Well, aren't you afraid somebody will walk off with him? Oh, the nice people who come to this nice place? Of course not. And as a fisherman, I'm sure you know that even the worst crook in the world wouldn't touch another man's catch. Uh, yeah. Uh, look, uh, excuse me, I, uh, I hear some cars coming down the road. Must be the folks I'm expecting. Why, of course, Buster. I'll see you later. Right. Any plans for the evening, Mr. Dollar? Oh, not particularly. I'm a little tired. Well, then come along into my cabin next door. Have some excellent scotch and plenty of soda. Oh, well, I've had a pretty long day. Now, look, we can relax and regale each other with tall tales about the big fish we've caught here and there. <laughs> After all, there isn't anything else to do out here of an evening. Oh, I kind of thought I'd wander down to the dock and see if Ham Pratt is about. Oh, save that for tomorrow. Now, come along, Mr. Dollar. I won't take no for an answer. Actually, I was glad for the invitation. I wanted to know more about this man, sound him out if possible, about his real reason for being here. As it turned out, we spent a very pleasant evening talking entirely about fishing. Only once, in answer to a pretty direct question, did he speak about what I wanted him to. That is all water over the dam, Mr. Dollar. If it's possible to make amends for some of the, shall we say, questionable things I may have done in the past, though, I can only assure you that I'm sincerely trying to make such amends. <laughs> please, please don't embarrass me this way again. Yeah, sorry. Now, tomorrow we'll go fishing. Well, uh... I'll not only take you to one of the hottest spots on the lake, but I'll show you the beauties I have in the live box. You'll turn green with envy. Nightcap? Well, it's been a pretty long day, and I really should hit the sack. So should I. Well, here we go. Bottoms up, and may tomorrow bring us each a limit. <laughs> then I will drink to ah. There we are. And I'll see you at the crack of dawn. Sleep well. Right. Right? Wrong. Sure, I was tired. It had been a long day. But not long enough to make me drop off to sleep almost before I could get out of my clothes. That nightcap had had a lot more than scotch in it. Yeah, I'd fallen for one of the oldest tricks in the world. And until I woke up, anything could happen. Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. 
And now for another episode in the life of Sergeant Donald Bellwether, my husband. Donald. Sergeant Donald Bellwether. Please, Reba, can't you see I'm absorbed in the sports section? <laughs> so I see. Who's the girl in the bikini? A shot putter? Look, what's the difference if she's an athlete or a Hollywood celebrity? Why do you insist on disturbing me while I'm reading? Did you drop off the laundry this morning? Yes, dear. Did you mail my letters? Yes, I mailed the letters. Did you know that angry, brooding, and impatient drivers are the major cause of many accidents? Yes, I know. What? I said angry or impatient drivers behind the wheel cause many serious accidents. And when a driver is emotionally upset, he's more apt to make an irrational decision or, or take unnecessary chances. My dear wife. You ought to know by this time that I am a well-adjusted individual. I have complete control over my emotions. You didn't have this morning. Now, just because I burned the toast, you stormed out of the house in a fit of rage. You didn't even kiss me goodbye. Mm-hmm. You're determined to pick a quarrel with me, is that it? No, I just want you to drive safely. I don't want you to be under any emotional strain when you drive a car. I want you to return home safely. I love you. Come here, woman. Yes, darling. You sit right here on my lap, and I'll give you that kiss you missed this morning. And you promise you'll never again drive the car when you're angry? I promise. Oh, that's my Donald. That's my doll. And now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Wayward Trout Matter. <laughs> Almost nine o'clock. Oh, <laughs> look at those big red eyes. <laughs> you aren't kidding. I feel as though I... Where's Gordon Hatch? Went out fishing at the crack of dawn. Said you'd promised to go with him, but he pounded on your door and finally gave up. Johnny, you look like you... Hey, really... Buster, the folks you were expecting in from Los Angeles. Yeah, they came right after I left you and Mr. Hatch last night. Six of them. I figured you wanted to be alone with Hatch to sort of feel him out. Yeah, I did. But is everything all right? Yes, so far as I know. The point is, did you learn anything from Mr. Hatch last night? Uh, only that he claims to have turned over a new leaf is now the soul of integrity. Yeah? Well, I wonder. You say he's out fishing, huh? That's right. You know where he went? Well, one of his favorite holes, one I told him about, is in the big basin about ten miles up the lake. What about the folks from L.A.? They're still asleep in their cabins. Hmm. Look... Johnny, like I told you, Hatch isn't the kind of trying any rough stuff, even against Mr. Fellows, the lawyer who sent him up one time. And he's here with that party? He's the one that organized it, made the reservations. Now, listen, Johnny, I, I may be all wrong about Hatch. In spite Hatch. of his threat to get even with Fellows? Well, I mean, maybe he's gone straight. He, well, he certainly acts like a nice enough guy. Yeah. Well, the only thing I can do is keep an eye on him. If he makes a play, I'll nab him. If he doesn't, well, my trip out here will have been wasted. Wasted? I thought you and I were going to do some fishing. Oh, well, now that's different. Ooh. Hey, I better get some breakfast in me. Yeah, sure. I'll tell Mary over at the cafe to have it ready for you. Yeah, okay, Buster. Sunny side up with plenty of strong, dark black coffee. Well, 
My head felt like it might split open any second. And I was more sure than ever that Hatch had poured me a Mickey last night. Yet he had expected me to go out on the lake with him this morning. Must have been nearly 10 a.m. by the time I'd showered, shaved, dressed, and joined Buster at the little cafe. Already, half a dozen early morning anglers had come back to boast about their catches, and the big ones had got away. Now, 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 don't you tell us old, Buster, but that big one, Buster, he must have been eight, eight and a half pounds. Yeah, I'm sure it was, Mr. Hector. Well, the place I lost him was in the second cove this side of the dam by the big square rock. Second cove this side of the dam, did you say? That's right, right next to the big square rock. Hey, Jim, I know a great spot for us to try this afternoon. Yeah, I heard that too. Now, don't you tell us all about that spot, Buster. Cross my heart, Mr. Hector. Good, good. Say, Henry, Henry, I want to tell you about a place I found You uh, feeling any better, Johnny? Yeah, much. Now, listen. If Gordon Hatch is up here after the money and jewelry of Mr. Fellows and his party, or for any reason at all connected with them, yeah. I think you and I had better hop into a boat and get... Mr. Fellows. Oh, yes, Miss Fellows. Good morning. Please come outside quickly. Come on, Johnny. Right. Miss <laughs> Fellows, this is Johnny Dollar, a friend of mine, a special investigator. Oh, thank goodness you're here, Mr. Dollar. Buster, we had been robbed. What? When, Mrs. Fellows? Sometime during the night. All our jewelry, Mrs. Harkins and Mrs. Peterson's and mine... Why, it must be hundreds of thousands of dollars worth. My diamond brooch alone is worth... I you found him, Martha. Yes, Ralph. Oh, this is Mr. Dollar, and he's some kind of an investigator. Good. I've heard of you, Dollar. I've told them, Ralph, about the jewelry. Yeah. Well, whoever did it got our money, too. With all we brought along to gamble in Vegas, it must be over 20000 And how he managed to sneak into our cabins... And or... without waking us, too. Of course, we were pretty tired last well, night. Well, well, good morning. Oh, Mr. Pratt. Oh, what seems to be... The... Johnny, glad to see you. How are you, Ham? I got some bad news for you. Yeah, Ham, it looks like he's done it. Oh? Gordon Hatch? Yeah. Better make a thorough search of his cabin. Gordon Hatch? Oh, no. I'm afraid so. Great Scott. So, Ham, look in his luggage, under the mattresses, anywhere else you can think of. Right, Johnny. Mr. Dollar, do you mean to say that Gordon Hatch is here at this point? Uh, Better look in his car, too, Ham. Under the car and the upholstery. Look here now, Mr. Dollar. Sorry, Mr. Fellows. I'll have to talk to you later. Come on, Buster. You and I are going for a boat ride. Act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Do you know who Uncle Sam's lawyer is? If your answer is the Attorney General, you're absolutely right. But being legal advisor to the president and other governmental agencies is only part of his job. His main task is running the Department of Justice, which makes sure that the laws passed by Congress are carried out, and that lawyers are available when the government must be represented in court. Let me give you an example. Suppose there is some question concerning the amount or kind of tax you should pay, Or suppose you and the government don't agree as to which of you owns certain land. That's when the Department of Justice steps in to represent the government side of the case. If anyone is brought to trial for counterfeiting, smuggling, gold hoarding, or passport forging, the Department of Justice prosecutes the case. It also handles all matters dealing with legal immigration. And all of this activity is the responsibility of an important member of the President's Cabinet, the Attorney General. Just as it is the duty of the United States government to protect each and every one of you, it is the duty of the Attorney General to protect the government of the United States. 
And now, Act Three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Wayward Trout Matter. Lake Mojave was calm as a mill pond, and Buster made the spray fly as we headed almost due north up toward the big basin. But we didn't have to go that far. Buster, with the sharpest eyes I've ever known, spotted the ripples from the wake of a boat that had pulled into a deep, winding cove on the Arizona side. Hang on, Johnny. Looks to me like Hatch's boat went in that cove. You mean to say you can tell what boat made that wake? Plain as a pair of footprints in the sand when the lake is calm like this. First thing I want to do is inspect that boat of his. You think he might have the jewelry and money on board? Ah, uh, he's too smart to have left them around the cabin or his car. Look, that's his boat in there, all right. Tied up that low, rocky ledge that sticks out. What under the sun is he doing there between his boat and that ledge? Well, it looks to me like he's trying to hide something there in the water. But we'll soon find out. Well, Buster, Mr. Dollar, it looks like you've caught me in the act. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of looks that way, doesn't it, Hatch? Uh, what were you so busy shoving down in the water between your boat and that ledge when we pulled up? I, well, I figured no one would find it here, Mr. Dollar. Yeah, I'll bet. But I decided to move the live box into this hidden cove when I first came out this morning. The live box? Well, after all, it was you who warned me someone might try to steal some of these beautiful fish I've caught and I'm keeping alive in it. But as long as you found me out, well, here... Take a look at it. Not a thing here on his boat, John. Yeah, look at them. Ever see such a nice mess of bass in your life? Yeah, they, uh, they're beauties. And that trout on the bottom. I got him way up the lake yesterday morning. Must be ten pounds. That's the one you plan to have stuffed? That's the one. Well, you better have it done pretty soon. He looks dead to me. Yes, he was this way when I came out this morning. So, when I'm through fishing today, I'll head back to L.A. with him to a taxidermist. Hatch... There's something I want to talk to you about. I know, Dollar. But it's your own fault. Hmm? I pounded on your door till I thought I'd wake the dead. Oh, no, no, that isn't However, what since you're here now, well, why not keep our fishing date now? Hmm? Mr. Hatch, will you Darn please... Darn it, though, I don't have an extra rod in my boat. Well, come on, Johnny, I'll give you one out of my boat. Rod and reel. Hmm? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, okay. Dollar, I'll take you to fishing spots even Buster doesn't know about. Not a sign of the jewels and stuff on the boat, Johnny. Hmm? He even went through his tackle box. Well, maybe he's hidden the stuff somewhere along the shore. If he's the one who took it. Uh, he looks and talks as innocent as a baby. So the only thing I can do is keep an eye on him and try to feel him out. Come on, boys. Time's a wasting. Oh, uh, here, Johnny, you try this rod on for size. Ah, well, that looks good to me. And here, take along a couple of these fast strike minnow hooks. If anything, they'll get you big bass. They sure will. Yeah, or maybe a trout like the one that Mr. What's the matter, Johnny? Come on, Mr. What? What's the matter? Well, it's about time. What were you two gabbing about over there? Say, Hatch, I want another look in the live box at that big trout. I don't blame you a bit. Well, step into the boat and I'll raise the top so you can really see it. No, I think I'll pull the whole contraption up here on the ledge. Better take the fish out of the water. Well, you said that trout was dead early this morning. Well, that's right. Then why is he on the bottom of this thing? Why isn't he floating belly up? Here now. I don't know, but I don't see... Now, wait, what are you doing? All oh, those beautiful fish in there will die like the trout. Oh, I just want a real close look at that trout. Oh, just a minute. These live ones will hold still long enough for me to... Dollar, put them back in the water. Here we are. Ooh, 
Ten pounds? Look here now. Why, this fish weighs 20 pounds if he weighs an ounce. Dollar? And no wonder the way you've got him stuffed full of... Well, how about this? A beautiful diamond brooch. No wonder you decided to get back to L.A. And not to stuff this trout, but to unstuff him. And how about this bracelet? Emeralds, aren't they? And look at these nice new hundred-dollar bills. A bit wet, perhaps? You're holding more than money and jewels in your hand, Dollar. Oh, now, put that thing away. I'm talking about your life. And I won't hesitate to pull this trigger unless you toss that money and those jewels into this boat. Well, I toss this over at you, Mr. Hatch. Put it down, Buster, or I'll shoot you, too. Toss me the jewels, Dollar. Toss them. And Buster, stay where you are. How about the whole trout, Mr. Hatch? All right, drop that! Boy, Johnny. Johnny, you really clobbered him. Yeah, but... Oh, Buster, if you hadn't thrown that oar... Uh, and if you hadn't hit him in the face with that wet fish, Johnny, he would have plugged you. Yeah, yeah, Buster. I always did like trout. Expense account total, including boat and bait for five days of really great fishing, cabin rental and meals, and trip back to Hartford, $815 even. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote today's story. Heard in our cast were Eleanor Audley, Larry Dobkin, Barney Phillips, Edgar Barrier, Junius Matthews, Russell Thorson, and Alan Reed. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Dan Coverly speaking. Mm-hmm.